Bidzy Small Business Society number 155. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. I'm Rob Beresoff. We talk to entrepreneurs and small business owners about what it takes to succeed as a small business owner. Connect with Bidzy Small Business Society at bidzy.com and grow your business. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers post projects for free in any of over 100 categories, including all types of home renovation, landscaping, cleaning services, photography, and many, many more. Now, if you're a business, Bidzy.com is a great way to find new customers because you are automatically notified each time a customer posts a project in your subscribed categories. So for example, let's say you own a roofing company and a customer posts a project in our roofing category. You are automatically notified via email or text and you can submit a bid at bidzy.com or use our internal chat system to introduce yourself to the customer and give them reasons why they should use you to complete their project. Monthly subscriptions start at $14.99. That's $14.99 per month for unlimited access to new customers and unlimited bidding at bidzy.com. Email rob at bidzy.com for more details or start your 30-day free trial now at bidzy.com. Welcome to this episode of Bidzy Small Business Society. Happy today to be joined by Scott McCain. Scott is an internationally recognized authority who helps businesses create distinction in a crowded social media and marketing world. As a decorated keynote speaker, number one best-selling author, and successful entrepreneur, Scott's insights today are sure to assist you in expanding profits, increasing sales, and engaging people in the ultimate customer experience. Welcome, Scott. Can you first tell us more about yourself than about what projects you're working on today? Oh, gosh, I appreciate you asking. Yeah, I uh, uh, grew up in a very small town in southern Indiana. If uh, you're familiar with John Mellencamp's old music videos, you've you've literally seen the small town in which I grew up. It's the, the, the same town, same small area. Uh, Love JCM, man. Love JCM. Oh, you bet. You bet. He played the dances when I was in school. He's, he's a few years older than I am, but he was starting his band. And so that's one of the memories I have from high school was uh, Mellencamp in junior high. Mellencamp, uh, his band playing... Uh, Playing all of our high school <laughs> events. I wonder what I could have gotten for those tickets a few years later. Right? Yeah, so, all right. <laughs> but I, I got involved uh, through a student organization with speaking. And I, I have always been fascinated about how to communicate. Got a job at a little local radio station when I was a kid. And and so have always been interested not only in business because I grew up in a small business. My folks owned the, the one little grocery store in my hometown. So I've always been interested in small business because it's how I grew up. But I'm also communicating those ideas because of the, the opportunities I had through a student organization and, and through my, my job. So I, I started traveling and speaking and learning from small businesses as I would uh, visit smaller communities, rural communities, and speak at everything from chamber of commerce meetings to small banks to farm bureaus to everything else. And I've just expanded that platform over the last uh, you know 25 years to, to companies that I work with now like Apple and BMW and, and so forth. But it's uh, my heart is in small business because that's where I grew up. So I, I write books on what does it take to stand out in a hyper-competitive marketplace? How do you serve your customers' needs more efficiently and effectively? And anytime you write a book for the mass audience, you, you have to kind of be generic and use big company examples mostly because those are the examples that everyone can relate to. 
but but my mind and my heart is always in small business because I think, you know, how, what would my dad think of this? <laughs> you know, how would this help him run the grocery store in Crothersville, Indiana better and, and, and do better for the family? So that's in a short synopsis, the background, I do about 100 speeches around the world every year, uh, writing books. Uh, I've got several out now and also working on the next one and uh, just just having an extraordinary time and, and very, very fortunate. Awesome, Scott. Great stuff. And yeah, I mean, that mom and pop grocery store, that home-based business owner, that entrepreneur, that solopreneur, those are the people that you're speaking to today. So let's keep it up. And I just want to first of all say, before we go any further, man, your voice is intoxicating. It's no uh, secret <laughs> that you're such a great, uh, your, your speaking is so well-received. And oh, obviously, you're very Thank you, yeah, yeah. So obviously, your message uh revolves around taking those complex ideas and putting them together in a compelling and easy to understand way. Now, Scott, you're speaking, you're writing, you're consulting, you're running successful businesses of your own. What keeps you motivated and getting out of bed every day? Well, that's a great question. I, I, I get motivated by the opportunity to serve. If, if I think that something that I do is going to help someone professionally and even personally, I just think that's the greatest calling in the world. And and I learned that from my dad when faced with a competition of a new supermarket coming in and, you know, facing the big box competition, just, just the ability to win out over the long period of time, because part of what he did was to find a way to create what, what I now call the ultimate customer experience and to deliver that customer experience in a way that it, it drives loyalty. So if there's anything that I could do to make a contribution to help someone else achieve what our family was fortunate enough to achieve and do that's that to me is the highest calling possible. So that charges my batteries. It, it gets me, gets me inspired. I mean, it's easy to get inspired walking up in front of, uh, you know, a thousand people to give a speech. Uh, your, your batteries are, are always charged if you're going to be doing that, <laughs> but, but just the day to day writing the books and, and, and running our business and running our office, that's uh, what, what keeps me charged there is hopefully that you can have an impact on others. So, Scott, how do we win out? How do we create that ultimate customer experience? I know it's a little bit broad, but if you could narrow it down to two or three actionable steps that we can take to win out and create that experience, what would those be? Sure. The, the experience is one of the parts of creating distinction. So uh, I suggest that the, any small business just do this. Begin by asking yourself, what if everything went exactly right from the customer's perspective? What, what would that sound like? What would that look like? What would that be? if everything was perfect. And I, I found that very few small businesses, Rob, have, have even asked themselves that question, right? I mean, from the moment that they pull into the parking lot or from the moment that their call is answered or from the moment that they post a review about you on Yelp or, or whatever, what if everything went exactly right, what would that be? And you write that down. You, you make the list. If everything went perfectly, for example, uh, one of the things I recently wrote in a, in a blog post is three of the most important words any small business owner can ask is, and then what? Right. So the customer walks in the door, and then what? What I mean by that is, do we let them browse around? Do we approach them? If we approach them, what do we say? What would be the perfect way to approach this? See, what happens, I think, many times in small businesses is that we get attracted to getting involved in the business because it's an area we know about. I recently spoke to a group of car repair shop owners. Well, none of them said, hey, I love customers. What could I? What business could I get where I can serve customers? Hey, how about fixing cars, right? <laughs> it, what happens is it's the other way around. They're car guys and gals. They love cars, 
And so to continue to do what they love in cars, they have to find a way to work. And so they, they start this car repair shop and customers and how you deal with customers is something they have to learn later. And that becomes the challenge. They've never really asked themselves, if everything went exactly right, what would that be? And I mean, you get really detailed about that. Once you've done that, then the next obvious question becomes, okay, so what do we have to do to make it turn out that way? How do we teach and train and educate and help our frontline employees? Or what do we need to learn? What courses do we need to take maybe online? What can we do to create that? And so then you make a list of the steps that you need to take to deliver if everything worked out exactly right. Then the third question is, are there old policies or procedures that we need to blow up? You know, maybe it's the way we've always done it and it worked when our parents started the business a few years ago, or it might have been the way that we started it when technology was the way it was a decade ago, but not the way it is today. What do we need to change? Are there old policies, old procedures, old ways of doing things? And it doesn't mean that we've been wrong. What it means is that the marketplace changes, technology changes. So what changes do we have to make to, to deliver this? Because the goal is the ultimate customer experience for every customer, every prospective customer Every single time. So if we go through that three-step process, what if everything went exactly right? Number two is, what do we need to do to make it turn out that way? Number three, are there old policies, procedures, old approaches that we need to eliminate because they're roadblocks? So get the roadblocks out of the way of delivery. If we do those three things, then we're a long way down the pathway of, of delivering that ultimate experience. Yeah, such a great question to ask. What would it look like if everything went exactly right? And you know, again, Scott, I think your strength really lies in identifying those seemingly obvious challenges and asking those seemingly obvious questions that really aren't that clear. So thanks again for some of that expertise. Now, well, I appreciate that, Rob. You know, to, to piggyback on that for just a second, if I might, one of the things that I, I think that's true is we get so busy doing what we do. In small business, there's very little time to think about what we do, right? I mean, we're so busy serving our customers and putting out fires and making things happen and, and trying to keep our overhead low and all of those things that happen that we never take this recess to reassess. And I really believe that's one of the reasons that programs like what you're doing here is so critically important because it's something that that you know a small business owner, a small business employee can, can listen to as they're driving to work. Or they can find a way to learn. And, and that becomes so critical because I don't think anybody goes out there intentionally to upset a customer. It's just that we get so involved in other aspects of our business that are critically important that we forget about things from the customer's perspective. So to, to piggyback on your point, Rob, I think that's exactly what we need to be doing is, is taking just a step back for just a little bit and asking ourselves these questions because it can be really significant for our success in the future. Yep, absolutely. Now, Scott, it sounds like some of the examples we're using today so far um, lie in the brick and mortar arena. How do those strategies translate into the online space, for instance? Well, I think you go through exactly the same process, right? I mean, if everything went exactly right when a customer went to my website, what would that be like? What would that experience? And one of the things you find with, with many, many small business websites, for example, is that, and I, I'm, I'm not a, you know, internet guru or social media guru. I'm, I'm very involved in it, but I, I don't consider myself to be an expert. But just as a customer, there are many times I go to websites and it's them telling me what they sell, but not necessarily sharing how they can help. 
And that's a really important differentiation between the two. When I go to your website, I want to know from my perspective why I should pick you instead of the competition. And one of the most important questions that we can ask as we're preparing, whether it's online or whatever it might be, is to understand where the customer is coming from. Our tendency is to promote ourselves. Here's what we do. But a customer comes to your website wondering two things. Number one, why, why should I pick you instead of anybody else? And secondly, what can you do for me? Right? I mean, the competition out there is so incredibly tough. Your user-friendliness, the way that you create an experience on your website, the way that you communicate through social media. You know, if I go to Yelp and I see something about your business and that you haven't even responded when people give a good review or especially when they give a bad review, if you haven't even responded, then I think, well, how engaged are you before I've even contacted your business? I'm, cre I'm formulating my impression of what you are and who you are online before I even, and it, even with bricks and mortar stores, Robert works this way. If I'm buying a car, I used to go to the car dealership for information. Now what do I do? I go online. I, I research the car that I'm interested in. I get all the information. I, I go to review sites and I see what they think about the service at that dealership. I've formulated an impression of that brick and mortar car dealership before I even walk in the front door. And, and it's, it's critical for every business whether it's strictly an online business or whether it's a mixture or whether it's a brick and mortar. I don't, I don't know how you are a strictly brick and mortar business anymore. It seems like everybody has to be a combination, right? But, but how are you creating these impressions and what kind of impression are you creating? And there's a huge disconnection sometimes between what we think the customer is thinking and what they really are. So I think the main takeaway is to create that ultimate customer experience. It's got to be with engagement, Scott, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, yeah, that's the word, Rob. I mean, the, the more that customers feel engaged and connected with you and your business, then the more they're going to be driven to do business with you. And, and one of the other aspects we find so much that's changing is that customers are becoming less and less loyal to a particular brand and more and more loyal to the experience that they feel about that brand. And, and how you create that is, is of critical importance. Uh, on, the, on the flip side, with employees, we find now that employees are less loyal to organizations and extremely loyal to their manager, to their leader. And so it's the personalization of everything. Harvard recently reported that the number one change in B2B relationships is that they're becoming more like B2C. That even in business to business these days, what we're, what we're seeking is that personal experience, that, that connectivity that is so critical to drive business today. So regardless of what you do, whether you're just B2B or B2C, the experience that you create and the connectivity that you generate, that's where that's that's why we don't call it you know the ultimate customer service. It's the ultimate customer experience. And and experience is only created through personalization and emotion. And if we don't personalize and if we don't create an emotional connection, then we have not delivered an experience. And obviously, there's a lot of moving parts to creating that experience. Now, for you in creating that experience, what's been most effective in engaging with and growing your audience or your clientele? And here, I want you to help the aspiring entrepreneur understand a few more things about really gaining some traction out there. Well, 
You know, it's a great question, Rob. I, I think for me over the years, one of the things that surprised me most, and I had to kind of learn, learn the hard way, is that people, people connect with you when you're transparent. They don't connect with you when you are just putting up a, a brave face that nothing ever goes wrong, right? I, I, I found it amazing how much more my audiences connect with me when I tell a story about, boy, here's, here's where I learned this important lesson, or here's where I screwed up here, don't you do the same. But we're yeah, used- Vulnerability is so important. Yeah, really, that's, that's the word. That, that is the word, Rob, it is that vulnerability. Because when they sense that, you know, you, 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 it's hard to connect to a generic, and, but it's also hard to connect to a perfect, right? If, if I think you haven't made a mistake, if, if I believe that you don't think you've made a mistake, now all of a sudden it's very difficult for me to connect with you. Right. Because I, how do I relate to that when I know I've made so many? So when a, I, I don't think we ought to be out there advertising our, you know, our, our, our points where we've messed up. I'm, I'm not saying that. But but I'm saying one of the ways that we connect is, for example, using a, a, a compelling story about how what we did helped someone else. But we make them the hero of the story, not us, because if we talk about what we did with a, to help a customer, the, the person we're telling that story to or the group we're telling that story to, they're always going to identify more with the customer than they are with us. We want them to be identifying with the customer that had a great resolution. So telling that story, telling it with transparency, uh, it, it's, it's really, really important. Now, Scott, I might be jumping around here a little bit. And, you know, we did uh, sort of discuss some vulnerability. So maybe it's not really jumping around, but, you know, you know what it's like to experience success, but it probably wasn't always that way. Tell us, what was your biggest challenge in business or otherwise, but what sticks out as the biggest challenge that you faced? And here I want you to give our listeners some of the actionable steps that you took to really embrace and overcome that challenge. Well, Rob, for me, I had, I had a pretty successful business as a professional speaker and an author, um, was doing Good, but not great, right? But I was doing okay, and I was doing something that I loved. And then I, I had a personal tragedy, a, a family tragedy. I, I lost my wife to cancer. And I had to kind of shut down the business for a while to, to be the caregiver for her. And uh, because of the extraordinary health care costs associated with it, we lost all of our savings, went broke. And, you know, <laughs> for some reason, the... Uh, the uh, Broke, uh, depressed, motivational speaker is not something that's really marketable out there. Uh, you know, but but I had to shut down the business for a while, and it's, it was exactly, obviously, the right thing to do for family situations. But now I'm at a point where I'm jumping back into a business that I love, but I'd been away from, and uh, I I was having a hard time getting booked. And so one of the things that I did is I thought, well, I've got to figure out how I can stand out in this marketplace. Because it's become so much more competitive, even over the short period of time that that I was kind of out of it, and you know, just like everything else, business changes, relationships change, the world changes. So I went to to speakers bureaus, and and the way that we booked our presentations is we had our own office that did marketing, but but about half of the business was booked by these great speakers bureaus that are out there, just just much like how travel agencies used to book airline tickets. Uh, speakers bureaus book speakers for conventions and conferences, and and they become a, a great funnel for for sales for your business. So I, I went to a few of them. I said, okay, so when you're recommending me to a prospective client, what do you say about me? And uniformly, the answer was, oh, Scott's a, a good speaker and a nice guy. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I really want to be a good speaker and I choose to be a nice guy. I think that's a choice, right? And I choose to be a nice guy. But it was hard for me to see the vice president of sales for Ford sitting in his office in Detroit saying, you know what we need for this year's dealer meeting? We need a really nice guy <laughs> to be our speaker. I mean, it, it, it was, it was the, Shakespeare once wrote the line, damning with faint praise. And, and that was kind of what I was experiencing. I, there was nothing about that that would make someone choose me instead of anyone else. And so that, for me, by the way, that was the first understanding. It wasn't that people were choosing me to speak at their meeting. It was that they were choosing me instead of all of these other options. And so if I wasn't good at presenting why my product, as opposed to all of the other products out there in the marketplace, I, I was not helping someone choose me. So I, I started research on what does it take to create distinction in the marketplace? What does it take to stand out? And honestly, Rob, it was just to build and save my own business. It, it, it wasn't to write these books or give speeches to other companies about it. I was talking about only I, my sole topic was customer service. But along the way, I realized there were some companies in small businesses like mine that were pretty good at delivering for the customer, but still weren't making it. So I set out to understand why and how, and I, I spent several years researching it. And that's where the book Create Distinction came from. And the subtitle of the book is What to Do When Great Isn't Good Enough to Grow Your Business, because I, I read the book Good to Great. And in the book Good to Great, he talks about the 11 great companies. And if we'll follow what these 11 companies have done, then we too can move from good to great. And as I'm reading it, the, the model of retail in that book was Circuit City. The model of finance in the book Good to Great was Fannie Mae. Ten of the 11 companies in the book Good to Great cited as what we should follow are either average or below average. Circuit City is bankrupt. The model of finance, Fannie Mae committed securities fraud and was delisted by the New York Stock Exchange. Gillette was acquired. One company now has half of its previous market cap. So for those companies featured in the biggest selling business book of all time, great wasn't good enough. And so that's where I came upon the importance of distinction. How do you create distinction in your business, regardless of its size, so that you find the way to be the one that gets selected? And when I started applying what I was learning, it, it really took the business into the stratosphere. I'm just so grateful for what's, you know, for what's happened. And, and that becomes the mission. And how do I help other businesses uh, find a way to create that distinction in their respective marketplace so that their business grows, the loyalty of customers expands, the referrals that you get from customers go up exponentially, your employees become more loyal, the types of things that all of us want in our respective businesses. Doesn't matter what the size of your market is, I think it's really important to create that distinction from small to big business. Absolutely. Thanks so much for that. And I just want to say thanks. Goes without saying, thank you for sharing your personal story there, Scott. Appreciate that. Now, talk about, you've been talking about it throughout, but talk more about your rewards. And I know there are many, but why is it so great to be Scott McCain? <laughs> well, you know, and it's just like everything else, Robin. It, it, it depends on which day you ask. You know? <laughs> it might depend on which hour you ask, right? Uh, one of the funny things, I, it, it's a little off the subject, but you, you sparked a thought. I, I posted a blog not long ago about how people rarely see everything that goes on in a business, right? Somebody walks in your business and talks to you, and they go online, they see your business, and they are seeing us at our best. For the people in the audiences, you know, I'm, I'm giving a speech later this week, and there's going to be 
like 3,000 people in the audience. Okay, they're seeing that the hour that they see me on stage, that's my best hour of the day, right? They, they don't see me driving to the airport alone or standing in the security line or, you know, eating a hot dog because I've got to make another <laughs> flight to get, I mean, that, that, and, and that's as it should be. It's not that we love every moment of our life in small business. It's that there are certain moments that are so great, we are willing to wade through all of that other junk to have those moments again. And that's, that's the reward of this. It's not that every moment is so fantastic, but the moments that when you're really serving others, those moments that you know that you've made a difference, that you know that your small business or your small business is successful and you, there's something you can do with your family that you weren't able to do before. Those are the moments that are so great, you're willing to put up with all of that other junk just to, to get through that to have those moments again. And one of the things I encourage everybody in business to do is to think about what, what is that moment, right? What, what are those moments that are so good? For me, it's standing on stage giving the speech. It'll be very different for everybody else. You know, for my dad, it was helping someone out that couldn't afford their groceries. There, there are things that there create those moments. Well, again, it's kind of like that principle we talked about earlier. What are those moments? Define it. What are the moments? Because when you're going through a bad time, when you're going through a difficult time, when you can remind yourself of how good those moments are, that's part of what gets you through the valley to get back up on top of the mountain. I, I, I don't think that it's a point of – and the other thing is, too, if those moments were that way all of the time, Rob, I don't think we'd appreciate them as much as we do because there are peaks and valleys along the way. Even the invincible Scott McCain at times has that dollop of mustard dropping off of the end of his hot dog onto his dress shirt. <laughs> Most of the time, Rob. What onto his dress shirt <laughs> at the airport on the way to his next keynote address. <laughs> now, it's so true. Yeah, now, I might be jumping around here a little bit, Scott. Tell me, in your opinion, what is going to be the dominant social media platform in the next, say, 12 to 18 months? Great question. Uh, you know, I... I think it depends on what business that you're talking about. One thing I do believe is we're, we're seeing the erosion of the value of Twitter to some degree. Uh, Chris Brogan, I read the other day, said Twitter is becoming robots speaking to robots. And there's something about that that really struck me because I know that I'm, I'm on Twitter quite a bit. But I utilize the resources to, to post and, and program my posts and, and get the information out there. Uh, Twitter to me is becoming more like what we used to think about many years ago in terms of radio. Uh, you might be in a community of a million people, but there might only be 10,000 listening to your station at that particular time. And so you just keep fogging out the same songs over and over and over and over and over because the average listener is going to be on, uh, you know, tuned into you for about 12 to 18 minutes. So you continue to play the songs over and over and over because, so that in that 12 to 18 minute slot, people hear the music that they want to hear. I think it's the same thing that's going to be true with Twitter. We just keep fogging those messages out there because when people go online, they're not spending a long time on Twitter. They're checking, you know, just to see what's going on at that particular moment. And you, you have to capture them at that moment. For me, and this is best guess I've got, particularly because of the addition of Facebook Live and, and the, the ability that Facebook is integrating with video, it's taking a step up in terms of its importance. At least that's what we're finding in our business is that not only from the personal type of connection that you have on Facebook, but more and more in terms of business with, with video, that people are learning more about you and you're creating your, your 
platform there as much as anything. I think the magic is in the mix. That's a challenge for small business because it means you're going to have to have videos on YouTube. You're going to have to get something on Snapchat. You're going to have to post good stuff on Instagram and on Twitter and be involved in Facebook. Uh, Periscope even is another one that we've that we've used. Uh, the magic is going to be in the mix and finding out particularly where your customers are and how you can appeal to them. One of the things that we're doing, by the way, Rob, is, is asking our customers, what form of social media do you use most frequently? And letting our customers define for us where we need to be. Yep, very important there, I think, to speak the language of your customers. Absolutely. Now, you were being humble before, Scott. I understand that you are, in fact, a top influencer in business, a top social media influencer. But are there any influencers that you follow for your own motivation and inspiration? Oh, gosh, there's so many, Rob. I, I, I appreciate the question. I'm, I'm always searching for that. Uh, let me get, I'll name a couple. Uh, Scott Stratton is is one of my heroes uh he and and a very very close personal friend uh scott wrote the book unmarketing he has uh, if you don't follow him on social media he is a must follow but he's someone with with terrific terrific ideas uh, i'm part of a group called the five friends and i look at the other four guys with slack jawed amazement and and the ideas and the concepts and, and the information that they put out it's uh, joe calloway mark sanborn Randy Pennington and Larry Winget. And the five of us are as different in some ways as night and day. But I think that's important. I think it's important to challenge your own thinking, not just to be in the echo chamber. If you're politically, for example, if you're a conservative, you need to be over on MSNBC to see what other folks are thinking and vice versa. We can't just hear our own viewpoints fed back to us all the time. And so those are guys that I, I really respect and admire and, and, and watch and listen to. So, I, you know, I, Seth Godin, of course, is another one. I, 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 that seems such a standard thing to say, but his content and his, his, the way he makes me think is so good, it, it's, it's just a can't miss. So those, those are the ones that strike me. I was just going to say with Seth, I mod his uh, daily blog. He had a short, uh, sweet golden nuggets of truth every day. Yep. Yeah, Seth to me is like that song that you hear on the radio or, 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 or your, your iPhone first thing in the morning that you can't get out of your head the rest of the day, right? <laughs> that you find yourself still humming that same song later on the day. Seth will put this idea bug in your head, this virus in your head, and you find yourself thinking about it later on in the day. And that's, that's part of what I love about that blog. It's so short and sweet and to the point. Yep, good stuff. Now, Scott, do you love to win or hate to lose and why? What a great question, Rob. I, I would say more that I love to win. Because I, I, if I look back at my career and if I look at our business, some of the best things that have happened to our business are things that we learned from losing. So to say that I hate to lose always struck me as saying I hate the education. that I, all right, I'm, No one loves to lose. I, I'm not saying that I, I enjoy it or that I love it. But to say that I hate it to me to some degree negates the lessons that I've learned through it. So I want to say that I love winning more than I hate losing because I'm, I, I refuse to allow myself to hate something that has created so many great results. Now, give our listeners something actionable. What are you doing to wind down after a long or stressful day? One of the things I think is really important is to take from that day. If you've had an, a, a stressful day, if you've had a challenging day, uh, I, I learned this listening to Jim Rohn 
long, long time ago about the importance of a journal or the importance of taking from the day. And so many times we just, you know, we get home and we, we're exhausted. And we talk to the family and we have dinner. We throw a drink back. We watch a little television and go to bed and then we repeat the process. I think it has to, I think we have to be better than that. And at the end of every day, now I do it on my iPhone. I, I don't, you know, do it right by handwriting it in a journal as, as much anymore. But I say, here's what happened today. And then at the end of every month, I go back and review what's happened during my days. And it, it gives more value to that day. So part of the way I think that you help deal with that challenge and that stress is that at the end of every day, capture what happened during that day. And then every month, go back over those 30, 31 reports that you've done, these, these things that you've journaled about, and, and try to take from that. Are there things I could have done better? Ways I could have used my time more productively? Examine it. It, it. It's like the old thing, you know, every financial advisor tells you that the first way that you develop a budget is to make a list of what, you're, what you've spent money on this last year. Every nutritionist says that the way you lose weight is begin with a food diary of everything that you put in your mouth over the, over the last month. I'm saying the same thing with your activities in business. Write it down or, or record it on your iPhone. Make a list of everything that you've done during that day. There's a great program called Day One. That's, that's what I use. Make a list of everything that you've done during that day and then review it periodically to take from the day. So, you know, Benjamin Franklin said, if we love life, waste not time. For time is the stuff life is made of. So adding more value to our time adds more value to our life. And I think that's a great way to release some of our stress is just to get it down on paper and just to just to get it down on our phone, just to find a way to get it out so that we realize the importance of each and every day. Yep. Obviously, I think it'll give us an opportunity to uh, show a little bit of gratitude for what we've created in our lives too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Scott, what is the one piece of advice you want to leave with our listeners about engaging customers to create that ultimate customer experience that you talk about? Find what the customer really desires. I, I see so many small businesses say, we're going to exceed our customers' expectations. And then I'll say to them, okay, so tell me, what, what do your customers expect? Well, uh, I think they, uh, and they've never even asked their customer, how do you exceed an expectation of which you are unaware? <laughs> right? I mean, what if, what if your customer thinks you suck and, oh, well, we'll be better than that. Well, that's not setting the bar too high, is it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's asking your customers, what could we do to serve you better? What do you expect? How, how can we deliver? It's, it's like we want to sell them, but we don't want to have a dialogue with them. God forbid they might tell us something we don't want, we don't want to hear. Talk to your customers. Find out what they want. Set an expectation level and then exceed it. Find a way to deliver to them the ultimate experience. The thing that takes something from good service to a great experience, as I said earlier, is personalization and emotion. The more you can, per well, for one business I'm, I'm doing some work with now, here's one of the questions they ask their customers. How would you prefer us to contact you? Would you rather have a phone call? Would you rather have an email? Would you rather have a text? What is the best way? And they put that in, into the system. So that they are contacting their customers based upon how the customer is defined, they desire the contact. When, when you do things the way the customers want them done, it's a great step toward creating that ultimate experience. 
Now, Scott, if people want to learn more about you and your business and about more of the strategies that you share in your book, Create Distinction, how can they connect with you? I appreciate you asking, Rob. Uh, just go to Scott McCain. And by the way, it's mckain.com. And from there, you can find out all kinds of good stuff like the podcast that I have called Project Distinct, uh, the online virtual training program that we have in terms of creating the ultimate customer experience at distinctioninstitute.com. And one last thing I mentioned to five friends earlier, we're having a business summit for small business where small business owners, leaders can get together in a very small, we're limiting attendance to 100, very small group setting for intensive learning with five Hall of Fame professional speakers, five best-selling authors, and, and working with you intensely on your small business. And if you'd like more information on that, it's five, spell out the word F-I-V-E, fivefriendsbusinesssummit.com. And Scott, we'll be sure to include some links in the show notes to that summit. Absolutely. This has been great. Again, that voice is intoxicating along with your message and your content, man. I appreciate it so much. You're too kind. <laughs> you, you rock. I, I really appreciate your show. I, I've enjoyed listening to your many of your other other programs and, and the great folks that you've had on. And, and it's just a it's just a privilege to, to join you. I, I'm, I'm grateful that you'd have me with you. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bidzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bidzy Small Business Society today. 